1: Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. This is episode number 84, and we are pre-recording on Thursday, April 6th. The show will air on Saturday, April 8th. And we say that because important stuff could happen between now and then. And uh, we want to be sure that uh, we don't uh, appear that we've ignored uh, important news. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Dodd. And
2: I'm Dan Todd. It's a beautiful day today. And You know, Cheryl, I hear that Ronald Reagan clip every time we start the show. Mm -hmm. And we were at a Republican uh, meeting this last week. Mm -hmm. And there was a gentleman up there. He was a comedian, but he was doing some serious stuff, too. And he made that quote. And, you know, he did a good job with it. There's nobody that can do it like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I mean, this guy, I mean, it puts chills. I mean, we've heard it 84 times yeah. on our show. And every time it makes me stop and think and wonder. You know, so it's, it's unbelievable. But anyway. I agree with you. Our theme is, what's law got to do with it? Is that a song?
1: Oh, that's <laughs> kind love. Of, kind of makes you think of that song, yeah, doesn't yeah. it?
2: Uh, and we've got a great lineup of guests. We have Maggie Mordant. She's known as the industry's. CCW Maggie. Maggie is the owner and lead instructor for Homeland Personal Protection Firearms Training Company, and Maggie is an NRA training counselor, currently teaching instructors how to become instructors, and in the past eight years has taught over 7,000 students.
1: We also have Sal DeCiccio. He's one of our Phoenix uh, councilmen, city councilmen.
2: He's been described as a one-man crusade to undercover waste in the city of Phoenix. We have waste in
1: the city of Phoenix? Hmm, I think any city, every city <laughs> waste, And another so. hot
2: topic, he's been on the front lines of the immigration issue in Phoenix, which is a hot topic right now.
1: Yeah, um, city, city of Phoenix was uh, discussing and considering becoming one of those sanctuary cities. And so that's kind of how Sal and I kind of struck up a conversation on our, our Facebook uh, feeds and Yeah, said, not on you know my what? watch. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said, come on in, Sal. Let's talk about it on the air and, and see what's going on out there. And then in our second hour, we have Miss Jan Morgan. Jan is an independent constitutional
2: conservative and often referred to as the First Lady of the Second Amendment. Her conservative voice has generated a following of over 1 million Tea Party patriots, libertarians, Republicans, and independents.
1: And finally, last but not least, we will have Miss Juliana Crowder,
2: the founder and owner of a Girl and a Gun out of Texas, which is a women's shooting league
1: which, established by women right. shooters for women shooters, and she's here to talk to us about 14-year-old Jenna Jones who received a Second Amendment Heritage Scholarship, 2A Heritage is the name wow. of a, a group. So uh, we also have our responsibly armed citizen report and of course, Dan's commentary. Mm. So I wanna talk about our theme, Dan. It is called, what's law got to do with it? Are laws created to prevent bad behavior? Or are they created to give teeth to our collective, society's collective, or else, right? How about laws that don't do either one of those things? How about the laws that sanctuary cities, speaking of which, and their inhabitants ignore altogether? What are those laws for? How about the laws piled on top of the Second Amendment, which are, in actuality, unconstitutional? Do we just mindlessly follow those laws, or do we push back and ignore them in the same way that sanctuary cities do? Does all of this sound like one big jumble of words that circle around and go nowhere? Well, sadly, so do many of our laws. They, they conflict, they conflate, they are over-enforced, and they are ignored. And who is most affected by all of this clustered up mess? You and me, Joe and Jane, law-abiding citizen. The people who want to honor and follow all of the laws, but find ourselves chasing an impossible goal. And all the while, the people that are supposed to be affected by these laws, the bad guys, the lawbreakers, they just go about their business any way they want to and hope for a liberal judge that will give them their 100th second chance. Someone writes those laws. Someone passes those laws. At some level, you and I, Joe and Jane Citizen, either aided or failed to prevent every single one of those laws that are on the books, as they say. And it's easy to sit back and grumble about the dishonest politicians that you and I hired, by the way. But grumbling and posting stuff on Facebook is not doing something. So what are you doing locally, federally, statewide to support effective measures that are needed to restore our rights and freedoms, and what are you doing to prevent rights-restrictive measures from being added to those proverbial books? And finally, what are you doing to make sure that the laws that you and I have to adhere to are also being equally enforced? What I'm asking, and what our guests today will help to answer, is... What's the law got to do with it? Dan? Well, I, uh, I don't know how to
2: talk about that one because what we need to do is talk to our politicians and tell them to enforce the laws that we have or get those laws off the books.
1: But how do we talk to our politicians? I think most Jane and Joe, Joes out there, they don't really know the first thing about it. it but it's easier now than it's ever been because there's... Every politician has a website.
2: Well, you know, you don't have to start a radio show and then go talk to politicians. You can do this on your own scale. You can go and just talk to politicians, talk to your neighbors, influence them, get them to go talk to the politicians. You can send letters. You don't even have to go to them. But you need to voice your opinion. You know, if everybody in the world wants this law, or 90%
1: of it, then I'm for it. But when they're... But what if it's an uninformed, like just recently here in, in Phoenix, or in Arizona, we had on our ballot, it was a voter initiative, right? People got together and said, doggone it, we want to make more money. We want a higher minimum wage. And doggone it, we're going to vote that in. Well, they did. But what they didn't realize is there are a lot of things that are going to now, the consequences are going to come against what they really thought they were getting. And that's so because... So it's an uninformed, misguided initiative that got passed because it sounded good. But then in the reality, prices are going up. People are having their hours cut back. They're losing their jobs. So And it's that is because people
2: don't read what the law is. They only hear what their friends say it is, and the friend didn't read it either. I didn't read that law. I I knew enough about it to say no to it. But a lot of people, oh, it's more money. It's more, But they don't realize it's not just more money. It's more time off. It's sick days. It's all this other stuff. And guess who that affects? We we're in a restaurant in California. They passed an initiative like that. And right at the front door it says, we've raised our prices 15% to handle the increase in the labor laws. And it's like, so who's paying for this increase?
1: Yep. Everybody.
2: Right. We're all paying for it. And so, you know that... And Ford the people
1: that can afford it the least are are who it was supposed to help. Right. Right? Yeah. And it, who it's going to hit the most in the long run. I mean, when I was a kid, a hamburger was
2: a dollar. They go up just because things go up. But now, you know, a
1: $3 hamburger is going to be $5. Yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, just... Just saying reach out and talk to your your local elected official at, at both the local, the city, the state, and the federal levels, right? Just talking to them, that's not enough. You've got to know what you're saying. You've got to know why you're saying it. And just because a bunch of other people have the same opinion doesn't mean that they even did their own research and know what they're saying. It's hard. And we're not saying this is easy. But how much do you value your freedoms? How much do you value the Constitution? Well, you've got to care enough to put in enough time that you know what you're talking about. And you don't have to necessarily, especially when you're first starting, you don't have to know everything about every issue. Pick one that's your passion. For us, Second Amendment, right? We've learned all that we can about it. We're focused on it. When we talk to our elected officials, they already know that's going to be the top thing on our mind. But, okay, so we get that one pretty much mastered, right? Doesn't mean that we're not going to have to keep pushing back on it with our politicians, with our legislators. But now, okay, I've got room and time to start learning about the next thing. Let's, let's learn more about this whole minimum wage thing. What does that really mean? You know, what are they saying it's going to do and what is it really going to do, right? Or maybe education. Maybe you're really passionate about the yeah, education bills because there's always this black hole of need and it's for the children, but once you start really looking into it, you might find some things in there that, that make you go, oh, wait a minute, I, am, I think I'm being led down the primrose path here a little bit maybe not in your area maybe they've got things under control but uh i've been i've been really surprised by some of the things that i've seen once i start really looking at they take how much money and how much of it actually ends up in a classroom where's the rest of it going why is it going there just like so. the mar-
2: marijuana law mm-hmm. that wasn't all about just marijuana it's about more money for the state
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know so um you know who's really benefiting here mm-hmm. so I don't know, but it's very discouraging that we can't. Why do we have to spend hours and hours to learn about a law before we vote? That's but they, why
1: we have representatives, so right. that they can take the bulk of that. But it's not, it's not been effective. It's not working in our favor right now.
2: We have to know what somebody stands for and what the
1: laws stand for. Absolutely. Well, we've got to run to commercial for a moment, but when we come back, we're going to learn more about what the law does have to do with it. And our first guest, Miss Maggie Mordant, she has spent at least the last eight years teaching firearms instructors to be instructors. And when you're teaching that course, when you're teaching people about concealed carry, The law has a lot to do with it. So stick around. Meet Maggie Mordent on the other side of these messages.
0: Hi, I'm Paul Lathrop. I'd like to talk with you about the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. As many of you know, you'll likely have to win two fights if you have to use your gun in self-defense. The first fight is the gunfight itself. The second fight is the fight to clear your good name through the legal system. You don't need to draw your gun to find yourself in a legal battle for your life and freedom. Even if you do everything right, you may still be prosecuted, which could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. The Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network is an official sponsor of the Self-Defense Radio Network, and they will completely take that worry away by giving you financial assistance and legal assistance if you have to use your gun in a legitimate self-defense situation. In my case, it was $12,500 just to get out of jail and get the attorney started. Don't let no rezealous anti-gun prosecutor make your life miserable because you chose to legally defend yourself. Sign up at armedcitizensnetwork.org for only $135 for the first year and discounted renewals. Or you can call 360-978-5200 and just tell them Paul sent you.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by AZFirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is, what's the law got to do with it? And so we wanted to stack our show today with people who, in some fashion or form, are very much involved in in the laws of the the second amendment and and other things and so our first guest is miss maggie morden she is known in the industry as ccw maggie maggie is the owner and lead instructor for homeland personal protection firearms training company maggie is an nra training counselor currently teaching instructors how to become instructors and in the past eight years has taught over 7,000 students and when you are teaching CCW, the law has a lot to do with it. So with no further ado, let's welcome Maggie Mordant. Are you with us?
3: Yes, I am. Thank you so much, Cheryl, Hello, for Maggie. having me on Freedom Radio. I'm so glad to be here.
1: I'm not catching you. We're going to see what we're oh. going to do about the board here. Maggie, yes. There you are. Hello. <laughs> Sorry hey, about hey. that. Hey, no
3: worries. I was <laughs> like
1: shouting. You're like I'm one state over. Can you hear me? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll be there in four hours. No. <laughs> Love it. So we are. We're in Arizona. You are in Nevada. Yeah. And uh, so you have created a company called Homeland Personal Protection. And, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what's a nice girl like you doing in a business like this?
3: Well, you know, I think there needs to be more girls in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Homeland, Homeland Personal Protection and, you know, how I kind of came about uh, creating this company was, uh, you know, after being in the fitness business, uh, I injured my neck and kind of had to reinvent myself and uh, grew up hunting, um, I my, I myself understand the uh the need and the right to, to keep and bear arms to defend myself as a five foot three woman. Mm-hmm. And um so uh I, I found that there was a need for more women in the industry and um it just kinda fit. Everybody would tell me all the time that, hey, you know, you're always telling us guys what to do, you know, you uh you know, you, you know how to use those guns better than we do. So maybe you should be a firearms instructor, Maggie, and maybe that's what you should do and you no, know, at first I thought, yeah, it's kind of a, a man's world, and I don't know that I'll be accepted in the good old boys club of Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. uh, well, I was wrong, and I was very well received by uh, some some very well respected uh, gun shop owners, uh, one in particular who I missed today because he's gone now, um, Rance Spurlock, a really good dear friend of mine, and um, so, yeah, I was just really well-received, and um, it just kind of stuck. It was like a, a natural thing for me to, to teach, and I'm a natural teacher as it is uh, being in the fitness industry.
1: See, that is fantastic. And when you talk about, you know, your diminutive size, you know, you, you're five foot three in inches, but when I've met you, and in person you are, as, you know, you just fill up a room with your, your, your personality and your spirit. And, but bad guys, what they see is the five foot three, right? So they're thinking, oh, this is going to be easy for me because she's tiny. But then we have these politicians that I've heard say on occasion that, well, women, you know, we're not strong enough to handle a firearm. And I'm thinking, well, if we're not strong enough to handle a firearm, how are we we strong enough to handle, you know, Mr. Six-Foot-Five bad guy? So how do you address and marry those ideas together?
3: Well, the ability to utilize a firearm for self-defense, you know, we're looking at a tool that uh, isn't that complicated uh, when taught uh, to proficiently use that handgun. Um, I know that uh, there are women of all sizes, um, women of all uh, emotional abilities, and Mm -hmm. so When it comes to uh, being emotionally comfortable with the use of a handgun and as well as being educated to proficiently and efficiently use a handgun, you know, it's really not about the size. It's about uh, the proper education and the mindset. Uh, So when faced with that defense uh, scenario, you know, it just depends on the situation. Any woman can uh, have the ability to utilize a handgun for self-defense.
1: Absolutely. And I'm so glad I couldn't have said it as well as you did. And so, you know, since you are an instructor, you, you've taught uh, just plain old people. And now you're teaching instructors how to be instructors, teaching teachers how to teach, right? Correct. What do you focus on? Is it about uh, self-defense, like we're talking about? Or is it about, you know, hitting the target, you know, marksmanship, competition? What, what is your main focus?
3: Well, as a a defense instructor, um, there are certain curriculums and ideology that people have to understand, uh, especially in the realm of the science of what works well with what the body does naturally. Um, One of my mentors, uh, Rob Pincus, he really has uh, engineered a a great curriculum that is the science of self-defense. And we're we're dealing with... um, you know, what's intuitive, what works well with what the body does naturally under those stress factors. You know, our body goes through this uh, survival mode. I mean, we have to deal with um, changes in blood flow of the body, you know, human performance factors. What have I trained? Uh, What kind of training have I taken? So, you know, there's that, uh, that, Saying, you know we do not rise to the level of our expectations we fall to the level of our training Mm -hmm. and so when it comes to training we have to train in respect to what it is we intend to use the firearm for so as an NRA training counselor um, in training the NRA curriculums, there's anywhere from the basic pistol to refuse to be a victim to personal protection in the home and outside the home and so teaching instructors how to instruct, it first starts with, in the NRA, this is their saying, you got to have a good attitude. <laughs> in order to have a good attitude, you have to, uh, you know, and having that good attitude, you'll actually have the ability to internalize and understand the information to be able to better develop that skill. So, you know, I've had guys come in and, oh, I'm prior this or I'm prior that, and this little lady's not going to show me anything, but at the end of the day, Um, With my good attitude and letting them know that I'm here to set them up for success as instructors, um, you know, I I, I leave with, uh, you know, the raving fan or the, like I like to call it, the repeat offender who wants to take more training with me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's (laughs) That's great. You know what, attitude really, I think it's sort of the unsung hero of success. Um, you know, however you approach a, a person, especially, because relationship is where everything starts and ends. Right. And if you have a good rapport with someone, you're going to go far. And if you, you know, come in butting heads or your your idea is, oh, well, Mr. Swagger over here, I'm going to take him down a couple of notches. Right. You guys right. are going to be adversarial right from the from the get go. So uh, that's yeah. that's fantastic. And, you know, we I would say that we are uh we are the ambassadors to the the unchurched or the misinformed about firearms, and so I I call us gun ambassadors. And yeah. you know we can be good gun ambassadors who are like what you're talking about, how it, what you practice, or we can be bad gun ambassadors and be the ones that are always you know being provocative with our firearm, or we're you know we're we're always bragging about something, or we're making it harder for other people to you know, enter into this world. And so I'm so encouraged whenever I, I get to meet someone like you, Maggie, because really I think you are the majority of us, but people don't think about the good examples. They, the bad examples are the ones that pop to mind. So um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, in our store, we have azfirearms.com in Avondale, Arizona, and we, we like to say we've never sold a gun ever we consider ourselves teachers, right? So we're trying to you know, help people find what's the right tool for, for their purpose. But there's been so many new buyers in the past, let me think, let me calculate it, eight years. <coughs> mm-hmm. You can do the math yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, People just, they've been afraid that they're gonna lose their rights, so they run in and they buy the gun, so at least I've got my gun and I'm C- grandfathered in. But then they kind of have this Christmas puppy uh, attitude. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well that was fun for a day and now I'm gonna stick it in a closet. How do we get people to understand that that doesn't work like that for this particular tool? You've got to be practicing and be proficient. What do we say to people? How do we encourage them?
3: Well, the thing of it is, is if if we don't practice, we know that repetition is the mother of all invention, and she is a good mother. And I will say this, that... When someone comes to me and they do take a CCW class or they take a basic handgun class, and I always ask the question, you know, what are you going to use this handgun for? And so if it's for just uh, recreation, you know, it's understanding the fundamentals, uh, you know, for the marksmanship training. If it's going to be for personal defense, it is uh, understanding how to utilize a firearm for self defense and you know, when it comes to the skill development cycle, you know, I, I like to call it front-loading your training. Um, you know, you, you start with one thing and you, you develop a sense of mastery and confidence in that skill, and then you move on to something else and you add it to that. And so it's, uh, it's like putting all the ingredients together so that you get a better outcome uh, when you really have to use that firearm. So, um, you know, we talk about people have certain instincts, but instincts are not something that, uh, if not formed properly, uh, will get you a good outcome. We want to make sure that when practicing something uh, that, uh, you know, through that frequent and realistic training, we can learn to recognize how to respond much more efficiently to whatever it is that we're doing. And that's even with, uh, you know, target shooting or Uh, competition shooting. I mean, competitors, they they practice all the time. Why shouldn't you practice on how to use your firearm for self-defense? I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, dealing with having to save your life or potentially a loved one or somebody even in your presence in your company, as the law says in Mm -hmm. some states. You know, so everything stands upon reason and and having those uh, reasonable skill sets uh, will really set one up, for success uh in that need or uh that competition
1: absolutely well our time is running short so i want to be sure that before we we run out of time we let everybody know uh not only how do they find you and follow you but also you know if they can't get to las vegas and henderson do you ever maybe travel to other areas to train people
3: I most definitely do. We, uh, we do travel and train. Um, if somebody wants to build a class, they can contact me on ccwmaggie.com or uh, they can call me. My phone number is on my website. Uh, but definitely I do love to travel and train. And uh, this year I look forward to doing some training out in Utah uh, with the Well-Armed Women. I'm also the Nevada State Representative for the Well-Armed Women and I'm going to go reach out to my sisters and see them and, and uh, do some training.
1: I love it. That's fantastic. And, of course, Carrie Lightfoot, the founder of The Well-Armed Woman, is right here, a stone's throw from where I'm sitting right now and is a good friend, and we just love her and everything she's doing. So when I know that the two of you are pals, the world yes. is a good place. So
3: Hey, that, that's one of my sisters.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us, CCW Maggie Mordant. Thank you so much.
3: All right, Cheryl. Thank you. God bless
1: you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, well, stick around because we have in studio here with us right now, Phoenix City Councilman Sal DeCiccio here to talk to us about what's the law got to do with it. All right, stick around. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, and we are so glad you're here with us today. Our theme today is, what's the law got to do with it? And our next guest is sitting right here in studio with us. We love it when we have in studio guests. Councilman Sal Sisio for Phoenix represents District 6 on the Phoenix City Council. Sal has been described as being on a one-man crusade to uncover waste at the City of Phoenix. Sal has also been on the front lines of the immigration issue here in Phoenix. And someone once said that all politics are local, Local issues are where we are the most effective, yet we tend to spend all of our focus on events going on in Washington, D.C., while not Sal. Sal has really put uh, his money where his mouth is. He's invested his life in trying to protect and defend the thing that he swore he would, and that is the Constitution of Arizona. And by... By proxy of the Constitution of the United States, and we welcome you to the studio and to the show. Sal De well,
6: Thank you so much, Cheryl. And it's just a pleasure to be here and an honor to be here too.
1: Well, it's exciting for us as well to, to get to talk to somebody that really, you know, you're you're not just one of these guys that's like, well, I got the title and now I'm good. Um, you really are working hard and, and you and I connected on Facebook and I started seeing um, you know, the issue of the, the maybe Phoenix becoming a Sanctuary city, and that you were saying, "Uh, not on my watch because there's nothing in our Constitution that says that that's okay. And I'm like, anybody that starts, you know, supporting the Constitution is okay in my books. Let's talk about that a little bit more. And so I was saying, how do people square this up? That there are laws in my opener, I was talking about there are laws that are completely ignored. And there's a bunch of people cheering, "Yay, let's ignore those laws. Let's make a sanctuary city." Right?
6: That's exactly true.
1: And then there are laws like the 2nd Amendment that people pile more laws on top of. Those laws are actually in reality unconstitutional.
6: Well, they get overturned.
1: Right? And so, you know, how do how do you have the same people that are like, "Well, let's ignore these laws and pile more laws over here." Like how does that how does that happen? And I do want to dive into that. But during the break, you said something very interesting about attitude and respect. So let's start there. What, what were you saying about?
6: Well, I, I thought your last segment was just fascinating. Because Thank if you, you look at it, most of us are very quiet about how we handle the Bill of Rights, the Constitution in itself. And we don't go out there and flaunt it. And I think it's important that we realize that you know, even though we have First Amendment rights, we don't go out there and stuff it in other people's face. We could, but we choose not to do that because it's a level of respect for the others. And the same with gun owners. And it's just, 99% of us are, I think, just good family people. We take our kids to church. We just believe in certain fundamentals. And we like to live our own lives. We just don't want to be bothered by others. And, but there's always that 1%. You know, on all sides. It's not just that. You know, the gun side of it. It's on the other side too. That just loves to just throw it in other people's face. You don't need to do those things. Um, you know, certainly if you look at the way we run our lives, we run them very quietly. It's funny, is that. Um, you know, my wife and I've had this discussion about Target and other places. I just don't shop there. I refuse to go in there.
1: You vote and, with your dollars. Yeah, and I don't. And, tell you're, too and many that's people. okay. I
6: don't. Uh, like Macy's, others, I just won't go there anymore. I just make that personal decision. I don't go out there and I am here, but generally as a general rule. That's my fault because
1: I put a (laughs) microphone in front of you and said, let's talk about this.
6: (laughs) But just like that, too. I mean, you just don't go out there and flaunt those things. Right, and (laughs) And people
1: can choose to listen to the show, or you know what? They can change the dial. They can go somewhere else. It's
6: interesting, too, when you're talking about you know Second Amendment rights because it's not gun rights. It's a Second Amendment right Mm -hmm. is the way I like to call it a 2a yeah and um, if you look at that people do pile on laws the city of phoenix has tried it before you know with the meltdown of guns i've always voted against it thank you uh, well they're always getting overturned yeah and there's a reason it's getting overturned is because it's unconstitutional it's there's a reason it's the second number two in the constitution mm-hmm. regardless what other people say it's there's a reason for that the other thing just a little history i should have put that in there knowing who i'm talking to in the audience I was on the council back in the 90s, and remember the Brady Bill?
1: Oh yeah.
6: The cities had to agree to that. I was one of three elected officials at the time to vote against it, to uh, that the city fees. Well, it it ended up passing, but then it got to overturned. I don't know if people remember that. Yes. The, the the Supreme Court actually got engaged and said, no, you can't do what you the way they had described the Brady. Because Bill it's time. unconstitutional. Constitute. So there it's like when in
1: doubt. The Constitution, yeah, right? How it, do I know what to do here? Well, let's consult the Constitution. Totally.
6: and you should have seen the backlash I got on that. Back in the nineties, it was worse because I'm remember sure. the Clinton administration yes. was there and all that. Yeah, so um, it's
1: still so emotional because still, you know of where Brady, you know. He's I know. So how did it get
2: passed then, if the Supreme Court said no?
6: Well, they changed it. They had to reconfigure basically the Brady bill. It, it was it's, it was the wait time primarily that said that it was unconstitutional.
1: And that's the thing is that, you know, so often we don't really know, we don't really dive in and know what the law says or the Constitution mm. says. And then we hear all these loud voices, mm-hmm. which could actually be the minority, but they just have a big microphone, <laughs> right? right? Or what they're saying is it sounds like, ooh, that'll sound splashy on the news. Right. So we think everybody thinks this other way. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be the the dolt, you know, the knuckle dragger over here, like, um, you know, sticking to the old ways. And so we're like, well, maybe they've got a point. Okay, yeah, I'll vote for that. And this is how so much nonsense has gotten traction, I think, across our nation, not well, just even here in Texas. I also
6: think that, you know, I am the anti politician type of guy that you would ever want to see.
1: Public I, servant. We call those public yeah, servants.
6: Well, that's true. But the the other part of it, if you look at it, the political figures today are either fundamentally lazy. Mm. They're not willing to challenge Mm. things. They're just not willing to push the envelope because they're afraid of the, the, the repercussions from that. I'm a very polarizing person. You know where I stand on every single issue. Um, I think that the public deserves that from people. But Absolutely. if you talk to most people, they won't even tell you what they believe in anything. I mean, literally, you could ask me any question about anything from abortion, even though we don't deal with it, I will tell you where I stand yeah. on those things. Yeah. Well, for but, the
2: last eight years, every time you made a comment, they treated you as you're either a racist or well, a non-American so or anything else. So, so people wouldn't voice it because they're afraid of what you're going to call them.
6: Well, you ought to see it when the Black Lives Matter guys come to the city council. The mayor actually tried to shut me up at one point. I started calling them a terrorist group. I started telling them that this is a national movement that's occurring in this country right now. Uh, they're putting our police officers in harm's way, and they're creating a false narrative. And everyone else pretty much didn't say another word. But, but the you mayor.
1: know, there's people in that room that are like, "Yes, Sal."
6: <laughs> yeah, but they're not going preach to preach it, it Sal, okay. because I'm right. too
1: afraid to say it. But yet, you've got you have incidents and evidence. To back up what you're saying. True. You're not just pulling stuff out of the air. You're mm-hmm. not just saying, well, you know, boy, finally I have a chance to express my, my underlying racist view. No.
6: It has nothing to do with racism. Nothing. It nothing. has a lot to do with the level of respect. Yes. So getting to the Sanctuary City yes. vote, I'm glad it happened in the city of Phoenix. I am one of those guys that literally, and Councilman Waring, who's another conservative on the council, extremely happy that we actually had to have a vote on it. And so let me tell you what did occur and what did not happen. Yes. Uh, we are a Democrat-led city, just like most large urban cities. And I think we've got six Republicans, or excuse me, six Democrats and three Republicans on the council, and that includes the mayor. He's a Democrat. It's just that way when you're an urban city. So it did get brought up. Phoenix has a very unique law uh, ordinance, basically. It's, it's in our charter that allows any one individual, one person can literally file a petition that requires a vote on that issue. And we're required to by within 15 days. I believe we're the only city in the country that does this. And by doing that, uh, the citizen came forward, and which I was very happy about, and asked us whether or not we were going to be a, a sanctuary city and required a vote on that. So it created a lot of consternation with the Democrats that were going out there telling the public that we were gonna defy it, we we're gonna do all these things when in fact, We can't, and we won't. And so the council voted not to accept the petition, which meant that was going to die, but they did something very sneaky that people don't realize, and why I voted against that. It was a, I believe it was a seven to two vote, Waring and I voted on the other side of it. They're like, well, wait a second, you voted which way on this? Because what they did, they inserted language that said that we're gonna deny this, but it's gonna be held in a private, closed door executive session and in the, the, mm. that, yes, and then in that executive session, the city council could actually vote privately. And they say well, you're not allowed to vote legally, but they, you could literally change it and challenge the law without anyone putting their name on it. Mm. How, is so, that even
2: pos- how could that be possible?
6: Because they make it a legal issue, and any legal issue can go behind closed doors, believe it or not. <laughs> I believe it's un- I believe it's illegal. Uh, because it's a public policy matter, not just right. a and legal we, issue. Right, and we have
2: a right as citizens to know
1: what you say. Uh,
6: I know, believe me.
1: All circumstances.
6: You should have seen the debate; it was fascinating oh my to gosh. watch.
1: I yeah. bet it was. Jim now, and I
6: just lit it up.
1: I, you know, I love that you say. I'm so glad that somebody brought this to where we had mm-hmm. to vote on it, because I was, I was scared. I was nervous. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, there we go, because I know that there are more Democrats on a city council than there are Republicans. And I thought, well, n- we've really risked something that, that I don't know that I wanna see risked, but in the long run, it's better. it's better.
6: And why, because you shine the light and now any changes we make need to be made public. Whereas in the past, they were saying these things, which is an indication to city staff and everyone else, go ahead and do it this way. Now, anything we do is in the public light.
1: That's it's fantastic. better. Oh, you know,
6: it's a lot better.
1: That is better. Mm-hmm. So we're going to break in a minute here, but we're holding you over. Yeah. We're not letting you leave. That's fine. <laughs> I'm here. That's awesome. Um, but so where are you? Like, how often do you have to be reelected? How long is your term? Where are you on that mm-hmm. spectrum?
6: Uh, it, we have four year terms. This is I would be going into my last term. I'm going to be running for reelection this year. Uh, and it's at the end of August.
1: And are there term limits? Like how many times? Three can terms. You, three four terms. Year,
6: this will be my last. And I have no intentions of wanting to run again. after that. <laughs> Four years <laughs> is a long time. Well, to, I hope
1: you are mentoring somebody up that that has the boldness that yeah. you do. Because I think that is so much of what's missing is the boldness. And that's what we saw in in uh, President Trump. Yeah. And love exactly. him, don't love him. You've got to appreciate that he is a disruptor.
6: And he's direct.
1: And he's direct.
6: Yeah. You and should so go to my Twitter page. If you want to see something very direct, go on there and you'll see how direct I am.
1: How do people find your Twitter page? It's
6: just uh, Sal, C-C-O, D-I-C-I-C-C-I-O. Just look that up and you'll get right to it. I've got close to 60,000 followers now, which is kind of a lot.
1: We're probably blowing it up right now. So. <laughs> no, I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Well, stick around. We have much more to talk about with Phoenix City Councilman Sal DeCiccio, which really... He's Italian. His family's from Italy. It's supposed to be... Dis- yeah, I can't even say it. De Ciccio. De Ciccio. Per-
6: yeah, first generation. My parents were both born there. Wow. I couldn't speak English till I got in first grade.
1: Wow. Oh, wow. Fantastic. And supporting, defending our constitution.
7: All of ours.
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Stick around. We got much more coming up.
5: Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So your best hurry and tell them Don Collier sent you.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, if you have missed any portion of today's show, don't be alarmed. You can always go to our website, Gun. FreedomRadio.com. Click the On Demand tab and all 80, what, 83 of our previous uh, episodes are there waiting for you to binge listen, which of course we highly recommend and enjoy when you do. And, you know, sometimes you're listening and you're thinking, you know what, that voice sounds familiar and you want to put a face with a voice. Well, every single one of our guests has their own guest page. So if you click on the guest tab, you'll be able to see a picture of our guest, a little bit of a bio, links to their articles they've written, maybe, articles that have been written about them, videos, uh, their Facebook, their Twitter, that sort of thing. And speaking of Twitter, we are talking with City uh, Phoenix City Councilman Sal Sisio, which uh, being a, a first-generation uh import here right mm-hmm. immigrant right. from uh, from italy i'm supposed to pronounce it de did i do it right
6: yeah, you did that's the way you're supposed to say it but Fantastic. we've americanized
1: it. We, yes and it makes it easier to google anyway so and sal was saying that uh, his twitter page is where you know he really lets you know what's on his mind he doesn't sugarcoat things which is so refreshing mm-hmm. And uh, so you might want to check out his uh, Twitter page, Sal DiCiccio, D-I-C-I-C-C-I-O. And we were talking before the break, Sal, about, uh, you know, respect, about attitude, about how do people um, engage one another when you disagree on things. And, you know, for people like you and, and Dan and I, we're always like, well, when in doubt, we just consult the, the Constitution. Right. It's so simple. Right. And so that helps you know, well, where, where do you stand on an issue? And, and all the emotion that comes flying at you is somewhat neutralized because you're thinking, God, yeah, it'd be nice if we could just open our borders or whatever. But then we say, well, what does the Constitution say about our country and our state? Mm-hmm. And you, as a councilman, have sworn to uphold those things.
6: Well, everyone's supposed to.
1: As a citizen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, – you know, people might think, well, you know, Sal, you guys just, uh, your family just came over from another country. Surely you think that uh, the city of Phoenix should have been passed as a uh, sanctuary city, as as they were challenging recently. And you have no problems no. saying that's no. not okay.
6: N- not only, no, just plain no.
1: Just plain no.
6: No, it should not be. It's a breaking the law. It's interesting. I mean, you have so much insight, Cheryl, uh, you know, the things that you talk about. People do want to change the laws of how they feel. They feel that okay, well, well, I don't want to do that. I don't feel good about that. or I don't. That's not what the, the laws are. And that's not the way this country was founded and what it was based on. And we were, we were a group of individuals that have come together and said that these are the laws. If you don't like them, then change them. But I don't see anybody out there trying to change them because politically it's hard for them to do that. And they could actually, the majority of the public by far believes that you should have fundamental rules. They just don't talk about it like the left does in a lot of ways. I mean, they go out there and think, well, I don't like that rule. I don't like that law, so I'm not going to abide by it. And you see that happen even with some of the protesters. They have a fundamental right to petition their government. But then they go out there and start breaking windows, trashing other people's properties. That's where you draw the line. I should tell you, too, it's funny. I had a conversation when they were doing the whole Black Lives Matter um, thing in the city of Phoenix so they protested in downtown Phoenix and then they were trying to shut down a freeway shut down a freeway it's dark out and people are traveling 55 on the low Such end miles not per a
1: hour. good idea on yeah. any level.
6: So one of the guys called me up and this was in someone else's district I said you're now in my district I said I've already talked to the police I can't by law tell them what to do which I shouldn't mm-hmm. I said but if you pass and you're if you're gonna be in a crosswalk and you're on outside the crosswalk i've already told the police department make sure all of you are arrested he goes well wait a second we can work this out i said no i said you follow the law i yeah. said you're now in my area right and if you're not following the law i will jump all over the police for not arresting any of you guys
1: well in here and they
6: saw they followed the law
1: and thank goodness didn't take for that, that much. thank goodness for that because here you know dan and i we own a gun shop mm-hmm. right we have our our federal firearms license we've got you know even the the class three license for, for automatic firearms uh fully automatic firearms we are held to the letter of the law every there's no gray there is no
6: every letter every cross you're over scrutinized yeah. yes and, yeah. yes
2: and that's and okay so i accepted that yes but then i when that but i expect that everybody that that is enforcing that law is following the law
6: that's right dan and you know what the thing is is people want to pick and choose what they want right. to believe. it's in. convenience it's convenience. Yeah, this is convenient and how they me. feel
2: Absolutely, isn't it harder? I mean, it seems to me it'd be hard for the city to become a sanctuary city it'd be hard to do that too. Well, think, think about of that this. Fight.
6: If you woke up this morning and didn't feel like you wanted to go to work, I don't feel like I want to work today. <laughs> and my boss can't fire me because I decided to make the rules.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, how would that ever work?
1: It's Try. not going to work because, right. you know, we have a, a, a pact, a contract agreement. I am going to pay you certain thi- you know, amount of money yeah. and you're going to supply me with this many hours of your right. time and you're going to do these certain things. You know, it, it if you want to throw it all out the window, go start your own business. Well, go start your own country. You, you, know? also, yeah, <laughs> right. you like, also
6: have an ethical <laughs> agreement with yourself yeah. to follow and do the right thing. Yeah. You have an ethical agreement to do that. As a person, we have free will. Mm-hmm. You know, we can choose not to, but at the same time, you have to understand the other person has free There's will. There's consequences. Say, right. uh, sorry, pal, you're not coming to work today. Absolutely. You're not, not going to get the job any longer.
1: So you came on my radar mostly, uh, I mean, we've been Facebook friends for a while, but when mm. the Sanctuary City thing, uh, you know, Phoenix trying to change itself to Sanctuary City, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? So it kind of, It's still not
6: done though, Cheryl. Talk to me about that. It's still not done because remember what they did in the motion, they kicked it back to private discussions. Mm. And outside of the public purview, nothing's Mm -hmm. happened so far. But I do expect something in the next couple of weeks possibly that could challenge it. They could send a nasty letter. Who knows Mm. where they're gonna come from but they gave themselves some room to try to figure it out with their side. You know. well, so if I'm
2: they go forward, you mean it could actually become a sanctuary city? I
6: don't know how that happens, Dan, because they're, you know politicians are politicians and mm-hmm. no, none of them would really like to take a position on anything, they just don't.
3: Mm-hmm. So
6: I don't know how that works and then they have to challenge the law and they have to break the law. How, and the other thing is, no one even thought about this, How do you ask a police officer not to follow the law that they not only took a an oath of an oath to become an officer, but they're required to follow the law? If not, they can be in trouble.
2: Well, we have seen. How do you do that? We have seen several sheriffs. Yeah, we've met a few, and we've in like in Colorado, that there are laws that they put on the books that are non not constitutional. And they are saying, we are not going to enforce any law that is not constitutional.
6: Well, that is a different game yeah. than it is this. I mean, the, what you have here is you have clearly, across the board, where people have insisted, not, they've shown that this is the law. You can't
2: break the law. Right.
6: I, I don't know how you do that.
2: Yeah, so, I, so it'd be like a, a police department not reporting to ICE that they have right. this. Well, if they report them, they could get fired. Right. If they don't report them... Then they're breaking the law. They could be in jail. Yeah, they're breaking the law themselves. Right. Wow. So, but you're saying these Congress, these uh, council people, they're not known. The public doesn't know who's for or who's against it.
6: Well, the way that they set it up is a way, you know. But I anything that occurs now because it was forced in the limelight. This is exactly the point that Cheryl's making. That was that anything that now goes forward, it's now public. See, in the past, they were, they, could, they were out there making statements, giving people the impression that we were a sanctuary city, when in fact we were not. Mm-hmm. We were following the law strictly. And so by going out there publicly, it stopped that, one. Two, uh, anything that does happen moving forward, it's going to be in the light of day. Mm-hmm. They can't hide this stuff any longer.
1: Well, we've got maybe two or three more minutes, but there's something else that you are very passionate about, something you're working very diligently Mm. on here in Phoenix. And we are a nationwide show, so some people might think, well, why why do I care what's going on in Phoenix? Well, because if it's happening here, it's probably happening there. And so um, it has something to do with a Sheraton Hotel in Phoenix and hundreds of millions of dollars being lost. So can you just very quickly dive into that and tell us what the, what is this about?
6: Government got into the business of something they had no business in. They bought a hotel, Sheraton Hotel, which I believe has lost over 145 million taxpayer oh, wait, dollars. the city of date.
2: Phoenix bought Ouch. a hotel?
6: Yeah, they built it, bought it, everything.
2: I didn't
1: even know it, that. They got into this. Po- this is why it's good
6: that's to know. insane. Like like, with <laughs> our tax money. With our tax money.
2: And they're and they're running a right.
6: business. Right. They're running not a well business. apparently. <laughs> no. Well, I, if I have two minutes, I want to talk about something that's national yeah, too. Yeah. I've written a paper, and if they contact mm-hmm. me somehow, you know, through and it's through on my your office, guest page. Yeah, it's on my guest page, of how governments cheat that mm. everybody. And I've literally documented, it's taken me a week, a week, it's taken me a year to put this together, mm-hmm. of how government steals from the poor and how it steals from the public. And literally, it's 159 pages, but the executive summary is only three pages. If they read that, they will know what's going on in their own local government. Fantastic. It's across the board of how they steal from the public, and it's outside the purview, and how they use graft, and how they use conflicts of interest in order to take monies from the public and i've got some really good comments on it so far i was on another radio show with this individual robert kiyosaki strong second Mm -hmm. amendment person Mm -hmm. you would never know it rich dad poor dad yeah he is probably one of the best and the high on when it comes to the second amendment but you know i received i think just in one day alone i think 17 or 20 calls from around the country pointing to get a copy of the paper
1: and how do people reach out to you for that
6: 602 262-7491, Two six two seven four nine one, or just go to the page, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll be able to contact us, and we'll send them the paper. It's fascinating. It's ta- like I said, it's taken me a year to put it together. The and this isn't summary, just Phoenix. This isn't across, just Arizona. I use Phoenix as the example, but every government is cheating, and I. What I and no one's done this yet. They've been able to pull it all together and show where they cheat. Uh, for instance, 50 people from the City of Phoenix, they've already retired, are gonna take $173 million out for their pension. 50, not 500, <coughs> not 5,000, five, zero, and I've got the documentation there. A first year clerk at the City of Phoenix gets 40 and a half days off their first year on the job. What? Four, zero and a half, I know. I am in the wrong let me give business. You an, <laughs> let me give you one other number because I gotta do why this. Why did they do that? I, it's because it's a scam. You're being so scammed by your own government you're being scammed by them. The average compensation, total compensation per employee for 13,000 employees at the City of Phoenix is 110,000 per person per year. It's unsustainable. So what they do is they find ways to take monies from the public and they actually take monies away from the poor to fund themselves and i use an example in there
1: wow okay. t- and this is
6: across the country cheryl we've across. been talking
1: with sal decisio and you do want to reach out and you want to get a hold of this executive summary on the government profiting off the poor and the need for modern government reform sal thank you so much for spending the time with us today and coming Pleasure. in studio uh, we definitely have to have you back again uh, Sal De Ciccio. Phoenix City Councilman.
6: Thank you, Cheryl Jean.
1: Bye bye. All right, stick around. We still have another full hour of Gun Freedom Radio.
5: Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action or check them out on the web at polygoldestate.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.